Counting down in five, four, three, two, and one. Mr. Ben Westaway. How are you? Welcome to the Camp Talk Show. Thank you for having me, Ken. Woo! Thank you for <laughs> being here, my friend. How are we? I'm very good. Mm. Very good. Well, you made it. Yeah, bit of traffic. Yeah. On the M1, as there always is. Oh, amazing. Where did you come from today? Uh, Derbyshire. Derbyshire. I was upstairs. I thought you were living in uh, in London now. I thought this was your new residence. It's imminent. I keep threatening to move here. I think by the end of November, I'll be by here. By the end of November? Full time, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. That's good. That's the plan. Well, then, Ben, why don't you just tell everyone who the fuck you are, because no one has a clue. No, uh, I'm your friend. Uh, I met you... A few years ago now, I've been going to Alderney uh, in mm. the summer for Alderney Week and generally playing a bit of music over there. Mm. And we keep bumping into each other and hanging out and having great chats. And, uh, and then you said, come and, have a, come and have a great chat in front of a microphone. Yeah, well, no, I'm really thankful you're here because, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't want to give you all the credit, but in some way you inspired this show because, no. yeah, 100%. Uh, I remember when you told me that you wanted to do radio and I thought... Why is he doing radio? Like, you know how freaking old radio is? It's the um, future. Yeah, but then I think even when we spoke about podcasting, mm. although we, you know, and to, to think that, you know, you're in a very, very, very successful covers band. I mean, <laughs> the world's most successful covers band, I would say. Certainly Europe. Yeah, Maybe and, not the world. and to hear that you wanted to go and sit in front of a microphone and talk to people, I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So thank you for, for setting off a little spark. But for those people who don't know Bring Your Sisters, which... Who doesn't know Bring Your Sisters by now? If you've been to a Bring Your Sisters concert, like you'll never forget it. They're pretty unique. They're I pretty like, I like unique. To think. But why? Why are they so unique? Give us a summary of 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 who Bring Your Sisters are. So, it, yeah, it, I think the band. Uh, I think we're more than the sum of our parts, and I think that's why it's fairly unique. Uh, we've got that's sweet, you know, because you actually are like you know together. You know. well, we're all really good mates. There's uh, Rich Roberts on guitar and vocals, Stevie Hay on drums and keyboards simultaneously, and then Gareth on uh, on bass and all the amazing things that he brings to the table. But it's amazing because you you just spoken about some job roles there. But it, it seems that at, at, when I'm watching you that that no one really has a clue what's going on. Is that is that fair to say that that you improvise a lot, or do you just make it look like you improvise a lot? It's organised chaos. Ooh, so okay. a lot of the things we've done before, a lot of a lot of the things that look spontaneous probably were spontaneous at one point, and then we think, oh, that worked quite well. Let's do that again. Or if we happen to find ourselves in that situation, that's fine. Like Stevie, were you there this year? With yes, Stevie and the yes. Well, this is the thing: is that you are completely crazy. You're batshit crazy as a brand. I mean, <laughs> you you smash up your instruments, right? You you go further than the Who ever have. Only with keyboards, yeah. I, I can't I can't smash a guitar. It would it break my heart. Interesting. I've never actually seen you smash anything no, but no, keyboards. No. What's it against keyboards you don't like? They they get wrecked over time. The way Stevie plays them, they generally a few keys will snap off, a few buttons stop working, and then as it reaches the end of its life, it's like giving a Viking burial. Oh, I love it. Uh, and it was it's happy. We were happy to do one in Oldman this year. We, I mean, does Stevie treat his women like he does his keyboards? No, he treats his he treats his wife Della a lot better than that. Do you know what? That's fantastic because the way he smashes up those keyboards, he's just playing. He's like, you know what? Screw my fingers today. I'm going to play it with a sledgehammer in there, and somehow <laughs> it sounds great. It's amazing how the atmosphere when Bring Your Sisters is playing anywhere in Alderney or in Marbella. Is, um, um, Maribel. Maribel, Maribel. Yeah. I'm sure you played Marbella before, right? Oh, we did, yeah. Uh, there you go, of course you have. <laughs> it's amazing how you just get people pumped. I, 
it's very hard to work out when that actually happens in a gig. It you see, you'll be playing a normal song and everyone's kind of you know tapping their feet and you know maybe singing along a bit and then suddenly all hell breaks loose and I don't know why <laughs> a lot of the time. It's just anarchy, mate. Yeah, it's absolute anarchy. But this is the thing is like, so like anyone that knows Alderney knows that it's a real community thing. And, mm. and essentially because you know everyone and you've seen everyone in different parts, whether you're on the beach or you're drinking, you know, you've seen everyone's worst, should we put it that way? Yes. So it almost feels like everyone's guard is already down. There's nothing to hide. On There's nothing to hide. Yeah. And then bring your sisters come along and add just some huge I mean there's a lot of alcohol involved right a lot of the time yes now look I have to talk to you something serious about this because like I don't know if you know but alcohol is not good for you yes I have been made aware of this and I often feel like I don't know what the the scene is there must be a scene in the movie somewhere where everyone's partying having a great time but like the ship is sinking or like you know you're you're in the act of killing people almost like the wicker man (laughs) you know where genuinely you're like everyone's having a great time laughing and joking but we're bringing you trays of shots every two minutes. Yeah. Do you ever look out the corner of your eye and just think, oh, shit? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, cert- again, certainly. At the Sorry, I again. laugh. It's not funny. Like, sta- I don't know why I'm laughing. It, it... I, like, I really like the Wicker Man com- uh, comparison because like the Wicker Man, when you watch it, you know the ending and you can see it. it's like looming in the background. And... I guess the ending eventually will be that we won't be able to do it anymore in this kind of certainly with this level of energy, and that will be that will be a very sad day. But I think you can only be a clown for for so long before mm. it gets a bit. But I don't even know whether or not you can stop. Is this not is this not just part well, of the bring your sisters experience? It's been winding down for a few years, but we managed to disguise it. So. Shots of water. <laughs> I, I gave myself a shot of water once and gave Gareth a, 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 a tequila. Oh, you bastard! I was, it was cruel. I shouldn't oh, have done it. Mate. So you're all just as bad as each other, really. Yeah, we spirit. The worst way. people though are your clients. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing when you say bringing bringing trays of shots. That's not us that ask for the trays of shots. No, a lot of the time. No. And um, it kills me, mate. It kills me because for a long time we used to laugh at it and be like, ha ha ha, great. But now I kind of get, I can feel, I can empathise with you slightly. And, mm. I, and I see the look where, it's like yeah. you, do the double, you do the whole double take. You see it, you look back. The sigh. You look again, you're like, mm, fuck. Because it is, it's one of those things where we probably get more drunk and have a great time. And, and therefore we think you should get drunk and have a great time. Yeah. But you've been doing this, how long now have, have, has Bring Your Sisters been I, together? Bring Your Sisters started as a duo about... 14, 15 years ago. Bloody hell. And then that was Stevie and Rich. And then Gareth joined 10, 11 years ago, maybe. Where did you find Gareth? He went to school with Stevie. Oh, and he, no way. He, he never played the bass before he joined the band. Wow. He, they, they kind of said, right, you're going to join the band. You need to learn bass. No way. Yeah. So this is, this is how Gareth became a bass player. He's an incredible bass player. He's a great bass player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he was indoctrinated into the band. And then what about yourself? How did you so come I about? Was, I was playing in another band out in Maribel. And every time I had a day off, I would go and see Bring Your Sisters and take a guitar along with me. Oh, you were a fanboy. I was a fanboy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then they took, they took the, the year off, which was the, the first breakup. Ooh. <laughs> Chapter one. Yep. Um, Stevie got married. And Gareth went back to teaching for a year. So Steve went on honeymoon for a year. Um, Gareth started teaching again, teaching maths in Ireland. 
And then I started a duo with Rich in France. And then when Stevie came back, he kind of... If that was my first... That's when they asked me to join Bringing Sisters in Alderney. Really? Yeah, in Alderney? Holly and Dell's wedding. I went over and played with Bringing Sisters at their wedding. No way. I think that's probably the first time that, that I must have met you in that kind of period. Probably. So you were fresh. I was a fresh-faced little fresh 20... into the band. 27-year-old, 28 Jesus years old. Jesus Christ. How old was I then? How old are you now? 34. Wow. It was about eight years ago. Wow. Okay, cool. That was when I was having a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when <laughs> I, I saw ask. you... No, no, you, but you were like, uh, you know, you were obviously, got, you guys, young guys, having a, an amazing time. I mean, what what was it that, that drew you to Oldney? Well, it was that first Holly, and, Holly asking us to play the wedding. Uh, then I kind of went along, made it a four-piece. Then... Going back to Oldney every year as Bring Your Sisters, and then I started to make friends with all the Oldenly lovely people. I'd go over on my own for solo gigs sometimes, start meeting people in London, and uh, it's just you can tell them an Oldenly person a mile away. Yeah, they have a lovely outlook on life. Yeah, and questionable driving skills normally if they've passed their driving <laughs> test. On it is strange, isn't it? Because now that you're in London, do you feel a little bit? Uh... And what's the word like? I, I get sometimes uh, too too nice to people. Like I could be on the tube and like start saying hello to people. You and can't be too nice. Really? To people. Yeah, it's nice. But wait, when he you, you moved to London yet? Imminently. Imminently. Em, end of November. Right, yeah. come back to me in a year and tell me <laughs> tell me how nice. I lived you in feel. London before. Yeah. When I, when I first, um, so I left Cornwall when I was twenty three, I think twenty four maybe. And I came to London to, I was going to be a guitarist. Find your fame and fortune. I was going to make it as a session guitarist. I love it. Weirdly, I bought this one particular guitar as a Telecaster. And um, I was just playing simple G, G, C and D chords. The only chords you need. The the main three chords. And uh, I just thought, my, no one else's G sounds any better than mine. And I figured most most of the work you'll be doing is playing the simple stuff. And I thought, no one else, you know, this is as good a G as anybody's. I'm going to go to London. So I moved to Newcross with a friend of mine from Cornwall. Mm. And then that was the winter that I hitched a ride out with a friend of mine, Al Jones. I'm not sure if you know yes, him from yeah, Oldney. Because yeah. you, you know what Oldney's like. You, you know the name, but yeah. you can't quite always you know, match a face. Exactly, yes. Um, out to Maribel. Out to Maribel. Yeah, and I slept, on, slept on sofas. Wow. And then ended up from that. Just I just took a guitar and ended up getting some gigs playing with other people. And then from that, that led to a tour of Scandinavia in the summer, which led to... A different band to join, and then that's it. It's been the last ten years. Wow! So just for those people listening, Mary Bell is a ski resort, right? It is, yes. In so France. from going from skiing to chilling in Alderney seems like quite a big, a big difference. It's a, more similarities than you'd think in, mm. in terms of the people. It's yes. a very small community in the, up there. It's it's like a more condensed version of Alderney. Everybody knows everybody's business straight mm. away. You can't get away with anything up there. You can't just shag a one night stand and, and walk in the next day. I wouldn't know. Well, you wouldn't know, of course. No. You wouldn't, but, but this is the point, right? Is that a lot of your audience are, you know, they're quite young people, right? You know, I've I've seen. Well, you say that in Alderney, it's a mixture. Yeah. You know, you can have like the real young people, and then suddenly next thing you know, smashing through the floor as Leslie Kandoff with her daughter on her shoulders. But like, it's just a weird demographic you play to. Everybody's young in Alderney. It keeps you young. It does up here. It's not even the booze. The the booze no, is no. the is the catalyst to get you on the dance floor. Mm. But it's the dancing. It's I mean, you must feel in some way that you are a healer 
<laughs> I wouldn't call myself a healer. Really? But it's kind of like, you know, you, you've got the power. In fact, I think uh, this year when Gareth uh, got into his, in, into his preacher mode, I believed it. This was in the moorings. I think even you looked, everyone in the band looked a bit like Jesus. Gareth is... Did we sing at Amazing Grace or something? No. I, Gareth that took that mic there. and he absolutely went for it. He was like, can I feel ya? Can I get an amen? Yeah, that would yeah. have been, that, we, we would have been doing Amazing Grace. Dude, that Amazing was not Grace Amazing Grace, Grace man. That went, on, that went on far too long to be a song. It goes perfectly into Never Ever by All Saints. Ah. So See, that's one thing that you guys are great at is that you, you have this... This story arc, almost as a you know, as a set, it's like you don't start with the bangers no. and you don't end with the bangers. Like you, you do something to the audience that the it, bangers come about three quarters of the way in. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's almost like the dark night of the soul, as I would call it. It's that final moment before we burst into Act Three, which is like the hero is, has to do something that's like <laughs> you know that wasn't in them before. Yeah, you know, and that's the moment where we normally all sit down, right? That's a that was a big song, yeah. But yeah, that's been a, that's that's the key. I think there's a few songs that people associate with Bring Your Sisters, or certainly that we would play at most of our gigs. That again, it's what I call it. It's like a trigger song. Mm. So you'll be playing something, and you'll just maybe I'll give Stevie a look, or or Gareth will give him a look, or you know, and we'll go right. You know, now it's time play play one of the trigger songs, like so when Gareth does Gangnam Style. Oh. Or Punjabi MC or something. Generally, when he sings in another language, or accent, then it then it tends to it tends to bring people's attention to the band. But it's amazing because, like you know, Gareth joined the band not knowing how to play bass. Yeah, play bass. Could he sing? Was he a singer? Uh, well, he's Irish, right? I'm an Irishman. Yeah, I mean, he he has a good ear, a very good ear, so he can harmonise. Well is it and... safe to say that you're not technically like? You, in, from a music point of view, you know, you're not Beethoven being like put in your room your whole life to come and play like once a, you know, once in a blue moon. Like as a as a band, you must have learned all of this together. Yes, with musically, it's not particularly high end, and I think the boys don't say that. No, no, no. The boys wouldn't mind me saying that. Okay, fair it, enough. And when I say particularly, it's still technical, like Stevie playing the drums and keyboards at mm. the same time. Is incredible. I don't understand how he does it and how Gareth's memory for lyrics and things. I, I don't, I don't get it. But there are more musical musicians out there. But what Bring Your Sisters has, I think, is first of all, we're all best mates, which doesn't hurt. We all know each other really, really well. We all can roughly predict what we're all going to do, and we know we know how to make each other laugh, which is a really big thing. Because if we're laughing, you're laughing. I'd like to think. Absolutely, yeah. Or just we're just drunk. If we're enjoying ourselves, you're going to enjoy yourselves more as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And also not being precious about the songs we play. We, we, you know, not many bands I think would play Eight Mile with every accent. I was going to say because you always ask for song requests, right? Yeah. And um, the song requests that you you get can be quite you know obvious, right? Yeah. So you you do the obvious ones, and you're like, come on, give me, someone give us something we don't know. Mm. Isn't that like just the worst is if someone asks you a song you don't know? Because that's, it seems like for you, that's like the challenge you like. That's what I like doing, yeah. So I run an open mic night over in France and I like to think I could get 90% of 
ninety percent plus of requests mm, from people. But it's ask. incredible. Like like you you'll literally say, Oh, what song's that? Oh, you mean dude yeah, dude, dude, dude yeah, okay. And you look at the boys and you'll be like, Okay, we're playing that, you know that did it and it's like, Yeah, yeah, okay. And next thing you know, you're doing it. If I can hear it in my head, I could probably get it out of the guitar. There you go. You're a healer, man. There you go. You're the Messiah. I knew it. You you have the magic. It's safe to say it is called magic. You know, I believe in magic. I think there's, a, there's an alchemy. There's there's something in, in music and, and you know, the creative kind of spirit yeah. that it doesn't need. It's not about the one thing. It's it's a lot of different things that all add up to something beautiful. Mm. And it's the performance that you give. You know, even the questioning whether or not you even know what the song is. Can we play it? Can't we play it next thing? You know, bam, you're playing it. The audience <laughs> is just absolutely captivated, you know, of all ages. I mean, it's, it's safe to say that some of your best fans are the youngest ones. I've, I've yeah. seen a couple of, of young kids, you know, on the shoulders of, yeah, of, of all of you boys thinking, is this all right? Is I, it? I really hope they always come up. Those little kids, um, we know that we know the family we're talking about in particular. And every year he comes back. I've known him since well, old me. He's about a baby. Eight. Yeah, he was about eight. So I've known him since he's maybe one or two. And just seeing him grow up, going back once a year, and just seeing that change over the last year. And he always says he wants to play guitar. So when always. I moved to London, he's first on my list. I don't Amazing. really, I don't really teach guitar, but. But you will. I would to him. You will. He's, well, because this is great. the thing is that when you grow up on Alderney, you grow up with this heightened sense of confidence that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, because Wesley lets me play on his shoulders. <laughs> you know, and, and that's got a that's something really amazing. And and you won't even know the the effects you've had on the, this kid until, you know, twenty years into the future. That you know. well that would be amazing. If if he He'll even make it or he'll break it. <laughs> I think yeah. That's it. I think that's that. Yeah, that that's how you describe bringing sisters. If you can't make it, break it. I love it. Absolutely. That's love how. It. <laughs> that's how but um, but you were talking obviously about sledgehammers and keyboards. I've also seen uh, a chainsaw taken yeah. to a keyboard at one stage. Yeah. Uh, I was actually trying to find that video. I couldn't find it anymore. You haven't yeah, removed it's, it, have you? It's, no, it's still on the circulating the internet. There's, there's a couple of videos that we've put up that we've had to take down. Where we've been advised that it's probably not wise to leave that video up for legal want, reasons, for which I won't go into. But uh, the chainsaw video is still there, yeah, on, our, there. on our Facebook page. It's incredible, man. And and I think this is kind of going back to the point is like when you pull out a chainsaw, like people are just moved emotionally in ways that you could never see if you're going to see Beyonce. Do you know what I mean? Like you're never going to have that feeling. It's almost horror. You know, it, it's, it's almost like you know, like um, well, they're weapons. They're weapons. They're weapons. I'm always wondering now. I'm always like, yeah, where's the, where's something that you can break something with? Like, oh, look, there's the sledgehammer behind Westy's leg. Well, Stevie knew. Stevie knew he was going to break the, the keyboard when he, we brought two over. Ah, that makes sense. Knowing that it was going to happen. Um, and his motto, he was he was chanting before the gig: two keyboard enter, one keyboard leave." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so it, that was the nearest thing he could find was a was a sledgehammer. I've seen him wrap him round uh, a concrete post just. The, the the chainsaw was the famous one. That that I have to ask though, because like because Stevie's married, right? He is. Yes. Has he got kids? Yeah, two. Jesus, I have to say it feels, and this is the great performers coming out in all of you, but it feels like Stevie's not always there. <laughs> what in the head? Well, I mean, it almost seems like he's drunk too much, and that like 
the reason why he's smashing up this keyboard is because like he's decided today's the day I end my music career. Like it, it sometimes feels like so un un kind he's of scripted. Very, he's and a very good actor. Is he's incredible. Yeah. He is. But all of you are. You all are incredible performers, and and it's a massive credit to you because actually fitting in with Oldeney and the culture of Oldeney is really hard. Like you know, mm. people don't want you know, just a one band stand. Like no one just wants you to come over once and then and fuck off again. They want to see you you year on year on year yeah. and they want to feel like you are theirs. You know, you are their special well, thing. Oldenie's great for that because we only play in a couple of places when we go out there. We've we've got to know people like people like you and your family, um and just countless others out there that you see every year and you walk in down the street. You can't walk down the street in Oldenie without bumping into someone you've known. Hmm. And you may not remember exactly how you met them. <laughs> all their but names. Not, just, well, in the, all their names. I know you. You know. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. And of course, the people <laughs> that don't say hello, you're like, tourist. <laughs> tourist. Yeah. Tourist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Madness, isn't it? So tell me, um, will you be coming back to Oldney, you know, regardless of Bring Your Sisters? Could you even walk around without people being like, you know, you're famous, man. I like, this think is it. I'm pretty sure we're coming back next year. As okay, bring, as bringing sisters. Amazing. I think I'm. I might be coming back in November on my own. Wow. Um, to go and see everyone. But Amazing. I th- I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we signed a contract in blood that we'd always go back for Oldney Week every year. I think you have. I, I see. I've I've only been there a couple of times outside Oldney Week. Strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot quieter. A lot quieter. Almost kind of like pretty though. It's kind of pretty when there's no, not yes. like the families, you know, and the, I, I guess, so I like it at Christmas time. Like Christmas time can be really that lovely. That must be lovely. Yeah. You just like, just nothing's happening mm. apart from drinking. And, um, but this is the thing is that like, I think sometimes when I talk about Alderney to people, the drink can sound like we are just a bunch of alcoholics, like, yeah. you know, with some A&A meeting or like some like <laughs> rehab center. It's really not, you know, and going back to what you're saying about, you know, they, it's almost like the mind of, of these people is so young that their body is just not aware of how old they actually are. Yeah. Um, and the I'd drink just helps, you know? It, yeah. It just, I think it's just part of it. I think in all things, I was, I was talking to my dad about this the other day, alcohol just becomes such a part of, you know, if you're, if you're sad or, you know, you, someone will take you for a pint to commiserate. If you're celebrating, you have a drink. It, it's just... In every aspect of life nowadays, it's certainly in England or in, in the UK, it seems to be, oh, you're going to have a drink. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had uh, a, a drink yesterday in the pub. I signed my first client um, for my new podcasting business. So uh, a friend of mine took me for a beer, you know, and, and you're like, I don't really do this unless I'm celebrating. You so, never go for a celebratory walk, do you? No. <laughs> I go for a walk every morning, actually. I, you, I, how, yeah. how long do you walk every morning? Uh, so I actually just walk around the block a couple of times okay. uh, and then come back. You know, I call it road work. So you know, just you, you just walk, you think about things. You it's kind good of like, for thinking. Walking. It is. It's really good. I actually read a, a really good book called The Boren Letters. And mm. The Boren Letters are a series of letters written from a father who went to jail to his son who was growing up without a dad. And uh, it kind of starts by saying, look, son, I'm in jail. um, But I don't want this to to mean that I can't raise you as I I would. And so each letter is like a different sort of thing, whether it's about taking care of your health, taking care of your family, taking care of your your money. And it was fascinating, really is, because it's all all written from, you know, from a father to a son. So if you've got daddy issues, 
the foreign he, letters. What was he in jail for? Um, so he was a, a marketing executive. Um, so he was a copywriter, one of the top a- advertising agencies in like mm. the seventies. And so back in the seventies, um, they used to do a lot of you know big. All it was all Mad Men days, right? So like right. The, the, the the amount of syllables you use in a, in a in a sentence matters. The amount of this, yeah, everything matters to the point where like you're going to get more sales. Mm. And telling the truth actually back then was legally binding right. you know like you couldn't just create a campaign that was false yes so he got actually in prison for false advertising which is crazy um in prison for it. yeah in prison for it That's yeah heavy. because you make x amount of millions from a campaign and course, therefore yeah. you have defrauded people for x amount of millions so it was really mad and and i, and I think it touched on in, in his letters how like he didn't want his son to think that you know he was some sort of violent criminal or anything mm. like you know this is this is a breach of the system but I wanted to give you these series of letters as a way to make you, you know, wow, a good man. So the Boren letters, uh, the Boren fan- letters. yeah, fantastic. But you know, not that I needed, you know, that much inspiration. Like my my father, as you know, he, he's a major performer. He's, he's amazing. amazing. Do you know what I think? Because he used to play in Oldenly back in like the seventies and stuff, and, yeah. and he he still plays. You know, God bless him. He's he's you know he's getting older, but he still remembers the chords, right? We get him up every year. To you get us. him every year. I know, and I think he loves that. Like yeah. he, and I think in some way, he thinks that he's responsible for you guys. You know, I'd say he's definitely responsible. Yeah, but... yeah. But in a weird, weird way, it's kind of like it's nice because you know he used to do all the performances that you guys are doing. Mm. You know, on his own and with his friends who you know come over to Oldenly, but. Now it's like he gets to pass on the mantle. Pass on the baton, yeah. Pass on the... In fact, no, no, he passed on to one another person. I have yeah. to t- talk about Mr. Dan McHale. Oh, beautiful Fucking Dan. prick. I love Dan. He's my he's my brother-in-law. Um, but, you know, I have to admit, I bought a guitar. Um, and then like a, two months later, I met Dan. And mm. I then sold the guitar. Because I realized that I would never be as good as Dan is. Isn't that bad of me? I thought you were going to say you sold it to Dan. No, God, no. Dan didn't want my piece of shit. Are you kidding me? No, Dan actually... um, So Dan, you know, the most lovely northerner I've ever met in my life. He actually moved me into my university halls in Manchester when I was 18 years old. Uh, Him, my sister, my mum and my dad. And I remember him patting me on the shoulder. Like a really like... He's my sister's boyfriend. And he was like, like, oh, you're going to do well, mate. You're going to do well. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Hope I never see you again. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And uh, yeah, I saw him a lot because yeah, he's Dan the man. And now he's Dan the family man. He's Dan the family man. Part of your family. I, I think he's getting broody, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know what these Northerners are like, man. You know, they they want their clan. You know, uh, but he's got a good job now as well, which he is has. which is the main thing. He's working at Tiffany's. Yeah. So if you are looking for any uh, jewelry for your lovely lady. Um, get I think I bought the, the the big piece of jewelry. The big piece. Oh my god, Mr. Ben, tell us about the big piece. Tell us about. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the big moment. I'm going to tell you about the big piece. Tell me about the big piece. <laughs> oh, that was yeah, that was last Oldney week. Um, we played the usual Oldney week and stayed around for an extra an extra week uh, with my lovely lady, and I was planning to propose to her at the end of that week. And I didn't bring the ring with me. Well, I ring with me because it wasn't ready yet. Did you hear this story already? I do not. I haven't. No, no, no. Oh, tell me. Awful. So I knew I wanted to propose. The ring is in London, so I called them up and I said, "Right, I need the ring to the Channel Islands, please." And they said, "No problem." So they called me back. We can't get it there in time. Um, there's no next day post. You must have had this with Oldney trying to get something. You can't get anything too many in times. Oldney. No. Okay, so I decided that. I still want to try and propose. Poor Howie on the island. Every time I 
needed to go and make a phone call to try. I was staying with Jane. Every time talk I had to the supplier, had to had to talk to the either the post office or the the Southampton Airport, which I'll get to in a second. But I always had to say to Jane, "I'm just going to pop out and call Howie. He needs a hand with some PA stuff." So poor Howie got the blame for oh. everything. Of course, Janie was just thinking, "What is this going to?" Janie was like, "Who's this Howie guy? Why can't he get himself together?" <laughs> but um, so the, I had eventually had to get the ring sent to Southampton Airport. Uh, for an 8.30, a pre-8.30 special delivery, ready for a 9 o'clock flight, and the pilot brought it over in his pocket. And then I had to send Judy up to the airport to pick it up for me. And then that was it. That was... Then I had the ring, so then I had no more excuses not to to dirty the knee. There you go. And and then how did you even... I mean, where did you do it? You were... uh, You have a, a lot to choose from on that beautiful island. It's a beautiful island. I chose a very romantic World War II machine gun emplacement. Love it. It's lovely. Up uh, the bunker or? No. Uh, what's the name of the fort? Which Torgy? one? The, uh, you know. The big Edwardian one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Torgy. The, yeah. the, the one looking out near Baru, looks out over Baru. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So I was, I think afterwards, Jane said she knew something was up because I was actually holding her hand as we were walking along. And I was just talking, yeah, squeezing. And, uh, She's like, are you all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't, love, isn't love great? Oh, <laughs> being particularly wet, I think. And then um, we took, yeah, we just uh, looking out over a few islands, and the sun was going down. And and just as I was about to to do it, two cyclists come along the bottom of the track, and it was Gareth and Vicky Clark. Ooh. And Gareth knew, and Vicky didn't. So Vicky saw us, and she said, "Oh, Gareth, Gareth, look, it's it's Janie and Westy. We'll go up, we'll go up and see them now." And Gareth, <laughs> I know. So Gareth was saying, "No, no, no, no. We need to go to we need to go to the moorings now." And uh, Vicky said, "Well, everyone else at the moorings they're going to come here anyway, so we'll just wait here." Eventually, he got rid of her, and I breathed a sigh of relief. And then, I, yeah, then I just did it come yeah. naturally. Was it? Was it? Were you? No, my mouth. Yeah. My mouth was just dry. Oh man, it was awful. I can't remember what I said. Were you, were you like counting down like three, two, one, go? Yeah, I think I think it. I was and just like... shaking, and then I just thought. I've got to do it now. Like the same with, um, remember demon drops when you were a kid? Yeah. Those like real steep sides. You just push yourself to the edge and then you have to push yourself so far that you can't go back. Not that I would want to go back. No, because well, she said things. yes, of course. Yes, she did, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, let's face it, she was never going to say no, was she? Well, the option was there. Maybe it could have been another thing as well. Like yes, no, or may- maybe it's always a good sign though. Maybe. Maybe. I would feel particularly aggrieved uh, maybe I don't know like that's like try again but let's go somewhere else let's go somewhere I, I else I mean you couldn't get better than she could have taken you on a ride mate she could have been like no let's let's go somewhere else and she do doesn't play, she doesn't play around no. no it's amazing man so like uh, so I mean when's the big day next year next September next year wow and and what did she say when uh, you know I mean what did you say did you say uh, you fancy getting married I can't or? remember just can't remember well, a few, a few times in a few times in my life. <laughs> Janie's here, by the Janie's way. She's uh, she's she's being very quiet over there and reading her book. She's so. gonna cough if I say anything bad. I'm not yes. crying, by the way, Janie. I'm just wiping my mouth. Oh bless. Um, but it's lovely. So like you completely were just in the moment. You yeah. were absolutely loving it. And a lot of times, if I do something when the adrenaline's going, I can't I can't record it at all. Dude, skydiving. So can't, nice, can't remember skydiving. You went skydiving? Yeah. 25th birthday with my best friend. And I, we got in the car afterwards, and he said, wasn't that amazing? 
I don't know. I we'll never do anything remember. nice for you then. <laughs> do something nice, but do something like mellow nice. Yeah. Don't, don't make don't make my adrenaline go because yeah. then I just I can't remember what's just happened. Super excited. Have you done a Harry Potter world? What's that? I mean, are you a Harry Potter fan? Because like I have to admit, like so so you know the 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 studios. I was going to wind you up, but I know you're like the biggest. Uh, I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. fan. Yeah, I mean, I did the studios um, in uh, Staines. It's quite weird actually. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's lovely, right? The whole Harry Potter experience is amazing. I cried like five times oh, on, on every stage of the tour, and then yeah, I couldn't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get home that night, you're like, I can't remember what happened. You know. To my shame, it took me so long to realise that Diagon Alley was diagonally diagonally yeah is diagonally yeah as in like it's a diagonal yeah it just it where the I name came that. from i didn't know that was uh to be fair i was i was young i was i was, I was caught up in the, the thing right you know like this is the things you have to realize is that like my generation were not educated by our parents okay like my generation <laughs> were the first generation that kind of had the internet mm. and this weird sense of like freedom beyond belief yeah but we realized that we were almost like paddling out on a boat by ourselves that we didn't really know where we were going or have life jackets okay so when harry potter came to the big screen and then the books you know, that was like our norms and values, man. And mm. as I'm sure it was with many different generations, but like, this is why I get particularly aggrieved when I see kids bullying each other. Yeah. I'm like, you clearly haven't read Harry Potter. Didn't, didn't you learn? Like, didn't you, didn't you know what Did happened? Did Draco to... Malfoy teach you nothing? Exactly. You know, this is, and this is what gives us these, like, you know, the perception of, of what's good and bad these days. But mm. um, yeah, who knows what the kids are on these days? Probably crack. Well, like... I've got no, I've, I've never felt as old as I do, which is, how old are you now? Probably appropriate because I've never been as old as I am. 33, 35. 34. 34. The only other one you didn't say. No, but it's great, man, because you're now entering this new chapter in your life, right? You're coming back to London. Yes. Where are you living in London? What's what's the home? It's going to be east somewhere. As close as we can get to Homerton. Okay. Why what's in Homerton? Janie's job. Janie's just qualified as a speech therapist. Ooh, I love it. So she can help you out, like you know, with What's your. Wrong with my speech? Well, no, it's, it's, your speech is fine now, but like if you carry on as yeah. the way you guys are going, like bring your sisters will be in exactly, a, yeah. You know, when we can't spell our own names, that's yeah, it. Jane that's will it. Be there for us. But she'll write you a whole new language, which is easier to say when you're drunk. It's like here's what you normally say to people. Here's how you talk when here's you're. Here's how you should. Yeah, yeah I'm wondering if she can cure Stevie. <laughs> mm, I mean, maybe, maybe. I, was, I thought you were going to say Gareth because uh, sometimes that normal that that his Irish diction is, is flawless. Surely. It is. No, it is, and it, it's it's lovely though. So, like, so would you say now you're kind of you know settling down a little bit now that you've kind of you know popped the question? You're obviously looking to to move back to some kind of controlled environment. Mm, yeah, settling down. Is that the word I'd use? I'm not sure. Does really? anyone settle down? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm. I never really felt unsettled. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're always, you're always just moving, doing stuff. Yeah, I probably. Be, I'm looking forward to not traveling as much. Mm. Oh, as I say that, I'm doing this winter is going to be the worst for traveling. So because far. you travel a lot with the band, right? Or with no, just this winter I'm doing because I've done the last nine seasons in Maribel. Right. This year I'm doing three days a week in Maribel. Wow, that's so going to be tough, man. Monday to Wednesday, France, and then Thursday to Sunday, UK. Wow, and where do you fly from? 
London, whichever, just London. whichever airport. London, whichever the London airport suits me. No, because I, I say that because like that's a big factor. Uh, I don't know if you've flown from City Airport before. No. Uh, fantastic, mate. Is it? It's fantastic. Yeah, like it's the closest airport you'll ever be in London. It's um, I actually once saw Craig where David it? there. It was, it's literally near the Shard. I mean, I don't know exactly where it is, mate. But like when you fly in, like you, the, the Shard is like here, and you, <laughs> and you just land. You skim it thing. on the way through. Yeah, literally, and um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously reserved for like you know people with money because I saw Craig David there. I was like, you know, in the queue behind him, mm. and I was going to a very nice place in Switzerland. So I was like, quite clearly, you can't go from Gatwick or Heathrow. But the bitch is. Gatwick and Heathrow, you know, Heathrow is slightly better um, yeah. because you got it on like, the Piccadilly line. Gatwick, you got to take this like Gatwick Express. I, I, I think most of my journey will be Stansted or Luton. Oh, Jesus Christ, there's more airports. There's, there's, there's so many of the Stansted, Luton, Five airports. City, Gatwick, Heathrow. It's horrendous. There's going to be another one that I've forgotten. Uh, Southend. Southend, wow. I flew from Southend the other day. Yeah, good. That was a horrible story. We drove there. Left the car in Southend at about four in the morning and walked to the airport because the, the, the airport's really close to the town. So we just parked the car on a residential street, walked to the airport. It was four in the morning. Went to Ireland for a wedding. Picked up the higher car in Ireland, just driving along. And I looked at Jane and said, I have no idea where we left the car. <laughs> One of those ones. It was awful. <laughs> and we laughed about it at the time. Uh, not for particularly long because then when I flew back, um, I had to. I went and walked and found the car on my own, and I just had no idea where I was walking. It's a nightmare, isn't it? It's not we, like in old me, is it, where you just walk nah. out and just like jump in someone's car. You're like, this is like yeah. search for a maze for your car, right? Yeah, yeah. It took about an, an hour and a half, I think, to find the car. Wow. But then I just turned. I had Jane, Jane on um, on the phone, on Google Maps, kind of searching. Right, check the street. Just walk down here to see us. And I, I just finally took that last left turning and saw the car there. I was like, Beautiful, happy. Have you done anything to your car to like, you know, make it look yours? Have you? Because no. I, I got, I, I noticed a clip with wing mirror this morning. Yeah, you, you didn't, see, you didn't see the scratch. No. If you walk around the other side, so I bought the car in this summer. Mine was on the way out. This one, a friend of mine, with the ULEZ charge, he was Ooh, getting okay. hit. It's just over the limit for the ULEZ emissions. So he, it's a, it's a, like a midnight reset. So he would go into a gig in London at 10 o'clock, leave at half one, and you get hit twice. So a bit of a pain. So, so he, he gave he, it to you? No, he needed to get rid of it. He bought the same car, but the petrol version. Ah, so he didn't I have see, to pay that. I see. And he sold this off cheap. Copy. And so now you've got it. That means no, that uh, no, going into Central, you're not going to be able to... Well, because I, I only ever take my guitar. He had to bring a drum kit. That makes sense. So I don't have to take a car. Because here's the other thing, is that actually driving in London isn't really needed. So, no, I mean... Not if, you, not if you don't need to carry anything. Right. But if you do need to carry things, then you have to... It's just best to have a car. How the hell are you going to get your car around like London? I mean, like surely most of your thing, the places you play in London are going to be... Like built up areas, yep. parking's gonna be a bitch. That's the beauty. Um, I don't. I just take a guitar. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Mm. So, where in London are you gonna be playing? Where's Where's I'm the... picking up uh, a residency in Soho. Oh, O'Neill's in Soho. They have lively, okay. lively yeah, yeah, yeah. lovely. Lovely. I'll be playing there. Um, I do a few solo bits around just around West London. Um, Classic. And know. Dan McHale. Oh, busking. He oh. put me onto that. Yeah, I'm gonna give that a go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because you know he uh, Dan uh, did a bloody proposal for someone, 
Um, like someone booked him to do a proposal, so you know he's playing away her favorite song. That's what I should have done. Well, you should have done, but who would have like played it? You know I mean, it was also the day before he got married, so exactly. he might have been a bit busy. Exactly, and Jenny would have been like, "Why is Gareth sat on the bunker playing a bass right now?" It's like, oh, because everyone else busy, uh, you know. <laughs> but it's like it's nice because so he unfortunately that wasn't filmed. I was like, Dan, like get someone to film it on an iPhone, whatever. Mm. Um, but I mean, look, busking could can really help. You know, it can do a lot. I mean, not just because of, you know, the people walking by who might even just look at you, but you can get a video of you busking mm. that could go viral. Like, like, you could. Like, if you made a song pre-Brexit, like, knowing that on the 31st was going to be, like, the last day, you could stand outside a tube station and, like, sing goodbye to everyone and just, and just like, say, say goodbye to all the European people as they're walking. I've got no real drive for original music at all like in terms of my guitar playing i'm happy to play on other people's i don't but you say this mate I'm but so i'll be honest to you like every song you guys play is original because you seem to change the words a lot so like you're very That's good because i can't remember them <laughs> <laughs> but this is it is that you know like you, you can everything you do is it's amazing how like because you've mastered everyone else's shit <laughs> you've, you've now been able to kind of turn it into your own <laughs> so i have i've no doubt that your your busking skills will uh will bring you great pleasure I'm, and i'm frightened of songwriting you reckon mm. wow why is that because if someone if, if someone doesn't like my guitar playing they, you know fine that's okay but if someone doesn't like a song that you've written it's like they're saying, I think a song should be part of, you should give away a bit of yourself every time you write a song. You should always be personal if you can make it. Mm. Um, and someone, if someone doesn't like it, it's like, I don't like you. But it's subjective, mate. I mean, the, I like to see it now as like, uh, we live in an age where there's so much attention which is just saturated everywhere. Like it used to be that we were all drinking from the same watering hole back in the glory days, whereas now there's just like millions of streams that like physically streams. Yeah, like people streams. Are fucking it's a good word. In their own, like their own shit. So it's like you have to create a niche. Mm. Uh, you have to create some sense of like your audience. You have to know who your audience is. So, you know, it's tough. But at the same time, like, if I don't like your shit, someone else will. Yeah, know? I just don't think I could handle it. <laughs> I don't think I could handle someone, someone saying they didn't like it. Wow. Well, this is why, actually, that the record labels are now screwed, right? Because the record labels are trying to judge people based on, their, on whether they think they're good or not. And, of course, you're not just your music anymore. Even if you wrote, if you wrote an amazing song right now, mm. it wouldn't be enough. You know, because you're part product, you're part marketing. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Your story is what kind of, what sells you. And I've, I've always thought this because um, there's a film you've seen yesterday. The, uh, the film about the, the, the Beatles music and yeah. what happens if the Beatles never existed. And this guy just like wakes up and can play them all. It's, it's got this humorous element to it, which is like, oh, that's an all right song. But it's not, it's not huge. It's like, it's just an all right song. Exactly. So it's like, but part of, of you and what you can offer as an artist is that, is, is that story you know you say to me you don't like people you know looking at your songs in case they don't like it mm. well tell me more about that well I, I did, for that reason I don't even I don't even really try and write songs for that reason when was the first time someone criticised your own work well not, it, <laughs> I don't really know I want you to relax now I, don't I want really you to feel like happened. you're at home now because you know there must have been a time you know growing up because you're a very talented musician you know when, when, when did you first pick up a, gu a guitar and start playing to people uh, I used to play in a church years ago. There you go. We so just nailed it, everybody. Your fears come from the <laughs> church. <laughs> we all know that they come from those days. I you, don't know. Are you scared that God will judge you? No. 
No, not at all. It's not God. No. Oh man, where is it? I just, I, I don't think. I don't think I could take someone saying I wasn't very good at something, Ooh. especially if it was something I thought I was good at and liked. It, I think it would give me a dent. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I feel that. I feel that. But it's it's those dents that you know allow you to to learn, right? Yeah, it, I mean, it probably would be. It's one of those things. It's like you know, with all due respect, yeah, your C chords a little bit off. You know, it's like it's like the song was great, but you see, you know, yeah. so it's like obviously, if I was to give you criticism as a someone that has no idea about music, it would be a bit like, well, Cam doesn't like my music. Whereas if someone like Dan was to say, oh, why don't you try it like this or whatever, mm. you kind of like you know, respect that, you know. So it's like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of of the unqualified? Uh, general person or are you afraid of the expert probably the unqualified one which is the most mm. that's the worst that's the stupidest thing about it I also think I'm an incredibly harsh critic okay of yourself no <laughs> of oh. other people oh. I tend to keep it to myself um, but I tend to be very opinionated on especially with things with music because I take it while I don't take Bring Your Sisters particularly, it's not a particularly serious band I Whoa. absolutely, I know, I'm sorry <laughs> to say it, Cam, I'm sorry. Oh, but God. I don't, I take guitar very seriously. I think, I think guitars are the most beautiful things in the world. And I'd spend all my money on guitars if I could and just live in a guitar shop if I could. Wow. But, so Poor I, Janie. I, 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 yeah, lucky <laughs> Janie. Does she, does she play instruments or does she just watch? She plays sax apparently, but I've never seen wow. her play. Oh, my God, maybe you should get yourself a little duo going on. I think one day she'll she'll come into the house and I will have just set up her sax and polished it and just it'll be gleaming there with a brand new reed. Yeah, but you're gonna judge gone. the shit out of her, man. You're gonna be like, mm-hmm. Uh, you want to fix your reed, Janie? <laughs> how how can I put it? Because I don't. So you've got opinions about everyone else, but but you're uh, but you're afraid to get into the ring. Is that it? Hmm. Maybe. So if someone's on the way up, as in if they're learning, then. I'll give them every ounce of support I can give and just be like, great, you're on the way up. It's when people kind of seem like they're up there. Yes. And I and I feel like, you don't know. I see you. I see, mm. I see, I see a lot better people that aren't getting anywhere. Yes. And I see some people who really, like, what do they call the, the, uh, the fence turtle? The fence turtle. Yeah. It yeah. has no idea how it got there. It must have had help to get down there. And it, you know, it doesn't know how to get down. Interesting. And now, of course, you're moving back to London. You're going to see far more of these talented of these fence tales. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, man. I went to a, a folk jazz club called Spiritual Bar in mm. Camden. A fantastic place. You should definitely go and check it out. It's one of the probably the last original places in London where they just have uh, you know open mic nights that. Mm. You know, there's no commerciality to it at all. And um, Raf, who is the uh, owner of Spiritual Bar, um, set, set up a little a little record label called nice. Spiritual Records. So anyone that comes and wants to record, he will help them record. I did a late night podcast of them at about 2 a.m. in the morning once after nice. one of their gigs. And the people I saw that night, I was like, these guys are the best I've ever seen. No offense. They were hey, they were worry. real, not I'm not gonna say not you're not real musicians, but these these were like solo artists who were like they're playing all of their own songs, yeah, and it was just unbelievable. But part of me knew they weren't gonna make it, and it sucks to say, but I've had I've had a lot of experience in marketing during this whole digital evolution, yeah, and it's like 
no one really cares how you sound. Like they 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 care they care what you bring, and That's this is a, the thing about your performance skills. Is that yeah. you've got you've got the left hand. Now you've got to get the right hand, you know. Yeah. And even Ali could not have, have gone in and just started jabbing with the left and not having the right. Yeah. You know, so it's that it's that confidence of saying to people, no, this is my music, mm. you know, that people start saying, yeah, this is okay. him. Okay, you know? I like it. So I feel like when you when you get here properly, you've got to go check out Spiritual Bar. Because, I'll go check it out. Uh, you'll absolutely love it. In fact, um, I mean, there's a lot of old new people in London. As there you is. Know. There is. There's An ever-growing number. It's unbelievable, man. I feel like Oldney's like a secret society. I feel like we're like, you know, we're like a private members club that just like, like just spreads throughout the world. It's yeah. it's lovely, you know. But the people in London, uh, they have a lot of you know musical people, and uh, a lot of them have introduced me um, to these kind of amazing places. And yeah. I'll take you to I'll take you some nice jams as well. I would love to, mate. And um, we actually have, you know, as as you know, we are in a warehouse. Um, mm. There's a jamming studio next door that, um, you know, they always kind of play stuff. So I would love to get you uh, more involved in my life. Man, I'll bring a guitar. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, man. Like, I genuinely feel like now that you're going to be in London, it's time to just, it's, it's time to just do more. Yeah. You know, do more. Um, do all the stuff you want to do because I don't, I don't particularly know what you want to do. I mean, what 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 do you want to do? I've just, well, I've just set up uh, a company with my best mate in the world. Oh, fantastic! Tell mm. me about it. What is it? It's called Hoedown and it's an events production company. Fantastic events, dude! I studied event management at uni. Did you? I did indeed. Yes, I got a two one. I didn't really, really care good. for events very much, but so um, if you're an event manager, you make the call to me and say, "I need, I need this." amount of staging I need these lights I need this or, 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 or you would just say this is what I'm doing what do I need and then I'd come in and go okay you need this 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 and I'd pull everything together I make sure everything turns up on time runs properly and gets packed away nicely wow and so how how long have you guys been doing this What's... it's just starting now I may I love this man like it's a genesis yeah like this has just started as well you know you and and so what was the inspiration behind this obviously because we all know that you've that you've done events and you've you've set up pack down set up pack down a million times. So yeah, you, is this something that you feel it's, like you can do better than other people? Certainly, as well. Um, mm. And if not, just better. If well, yeah, ideally better. Yes. Um, I've done. I've been on the receiving end of enough bad events managers uh, through playing at events, and you just think, why? Why do you do that? Why don't you do it this way? And you just get to the point where you go, well, I'm going to do it then. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the plan. Wow. And so uh, exactly what type of events are you looking for? Are you looking to everything, do... Everything from... A, we, can, we do everything from a speaker for a garden party with an iPod lead, so you can just you know, work away with your own phone or whatever, right up to you know, a three-day festival with a couple of stages and, and everything in between. What about Lots like a Glastonbury kind of thing? We could run a Glastonbury stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, because this is the point, right? Is like, uh, I mean, look, Glastonbury is, is, is huge and everything, but like, there's another festival out there. You know, I still believe that the, the biggest festivals have yet to be made. Really? Yeah, 100%. 100%. You've got to realise that in the digital age, we have the opportunity now to to scale our experiences globally without mm. the need for people to be there exactly. So when events companies like yourselves embrace the digital side, embrace mm. the social, embrace the feeling that, you know, you don't have to be here to enjoy it because we're still thinking of you, then suddenly your nice. audience gets global and then the next thing your sponsors want to be involved so you have the budget now you get to think right what is the experience want to create for people you know because that's like well what happens if i said to you here's a million pounds yeah. and i only want five people to, to be at your event 
What are you going to spend the million pound on? Well, that see, this is luckily I would pass the buck here. I am the technical guy. Mm. Um, uh, the guy I work with, my best friend Tom, he is, he's more kind of planet. He's a he's a bit of a creative genius. Incredible, he'll, yeah. He'll be able to do that kind of thing, the work with people on the on the on the concept. And I'm the guy who goes right, plug that into there. This make sure to yeah. But here's the thing, though, is like you, the creative and the technical aspect of business these days is more important than it's ever has been mm. you know it kind of used to be that you could kind of outsource creativity or you could outsource the technical and mm. nowadays a business a brand is very much made up of those two fundamentals so it's almost like if monzo decided that they were going to make this card a really great card it wouldn't be orange you know but the fact that they they thought about you know the creative and the technical delivery yeah, as one yeah. it became that thing so you know i'm not saying mm-hmm. that that you're you know that you're not great at putting up stages but how do you do it you know what is it that makes your clients feel that was a fucking amazing experience you know is it the speed is it the the fact that you maybe you just you just i don't know put a deck chair you'd be like here's a mojito come and watch us put up this in 20 minutes <laughs> bam go I think it's just making everybody being the safest pair of hands possible. That's important. Safety. Safety hands. So mm. so if someone says, even if they say in passing, you know, because some people can be a bit flaky. They don't, some people, half, half the people will want everything pinned down and a minute by minute breakdown of where you're going to be, which is fine. And some people are a little bit more mm. fluid with it. Yes, that makes sense. So if you can make sure that you've got Everything you need doubled, so you can. If anyone says, "Oh no, we need this," right there, got it. Yeah. So yeah. being a safe pair of hands, and then that will build you. You know, it just builds a good name. Fantastic. Being super reliable. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, have you heard of a company called Fat Llama? No. Uh, so Fat Llama are a rental company who yeah. will hire out anything. Okay. Um, and I've used them on occasion for camera equipment, for sound equipment, um, and it's I basically yeah, if yeah, you yeah. own something, you can put it up on Fat Llama. So peer to peer. Uh, yeah, exactly. So okay. it's great because it's um, it based in London. They're, I mean, they've got an office in London, so they store a lot of... So if you had mics, you could go put your mics in there and you never have to even go and arrange, pick up a drop-off. Cool. Um, but also people who have the equipment. And if you're last minute, you can book it on the day and just go pick it up from the person straight away. That seems to be the way everything's going. Sharing economy. Yeah. Oh, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I'm even now not living in a warehouse. I'm doing, um, you know, pro bono work. I'm just kind of like... Uh, I'm just making videos with people on the basis that they, they have something for me to offer. So yeah. it's like, I think that's kind of the new age we live in. But um, but yeah, I mean, for your new company, this is it's incredible, right? You have the world at your disposal. So now you've yeah. got to create the experience. Exactly. Um, it, it's going to be a slow burn, but we're in no kind of mega rush. We don't have massive overheads. We don't have debts to service. We're just going to be just get out a lot yet, of the things yet you know yet. you never know you could go down the fire festival route and next thing you know you're like <laughs> i i need to go reclaim my tents <laughs> now nah, i know that you'd never get involved with that right because yeah. uh, you know you've got to ask yourself you know where the scale of failure with the fire festival really comes down to those people that even thought they were going to do it you know it's I don't, what could do you think there was a vicious motive behind that no, or did people no. genuinely just think Fire Festival was just made by a bunch of techies, a bunch yeah. of uh, you know entrepreneurial startup people that said, you know what the best lead magnet for our new app is going to be a festival. A festival, yeah. And of course, without having any idea about how festivals operate, they just thought, oh well, that that'll work because right now we got fifty developers See, making an app. If if you want to run a festival on a little island, give me a call. 
I love it. Well, Alderney. Here's the thing. Alderney. Let's do fire Alderney. Look, I have to ask a question. You know, are you gonna get involved with Alderney Week? Um, I think if if there was space for us, for sure. Um, Alderney Week seems quite kind of. You see, I've seen the same faces every year, calling up the same leads and plugging in the same things. So if there's space for us to do it, that would be lovely. Whether we could effectively, kind of cost effectively, do it. Um, well, move, moving things into the Channel Islands would be... I'll ask that one for you. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the biggest problem. So Olden Week, for those people listening, is what? The, the biggest event of the year. It's incredible. Yeah. A, a week-long family... Uh, I'd say family event. It is a it family is, event. It is a family yeah. but there's a lot... There's, well, there's things for everybody. There is things for everybody. And a, at least three public appearances of Bring Your Sisters. At least three. Uh, plus the private shows that you guys play. We generally um, get roped in and play birthday parties. And you do. Yeah. And you get on both. Boats, bunkers, bloody... Uh, I hate the bunker party. Oh, you do? Call me crazy. No. It shouldn't, it shouldn't rain indoors. No. <laughs> That's, That's not sweat. Right. Yeah. Oh. oh, no, it is crazy. But no, you've seen that level of, of amateurism, because uh, it is amateurism, you know. It's like yes. we, we make the best of what, of what we got. And you've got that that sense of, of what makes a good, a good night happen. So... Technically speaking, yeah. creating an events company in the commercial sector now is going to be a piece of piss. I really like the way Oldenly seems kind of bodge job and kind of make do and mend. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, I think if it got slick, it would lose a lot of the magic. It would, of course, it would. But you you would be freaking out if you started seeing the band on the stage that you've just put up with all the equipment that you've just put there, starting smashing keyboards and downing trays. See, <laughs> if it was their <laughs> keyboard, I don't mind. They can do what they want to their own stuff. But, yeah, I think You're it's not going to become a Scrooge-y one day. Like, the young band gets up on stage and starts like, yeah, never, it's trash as shit. You're like... Never. They're welcome. They're welcome to it. I love it's it. No, there's nothing that we wouldn't do ourselves they're, yeah. all, they're all welcome to it so is this kind of the the next chapter it's like all right so we've played on these stages we know what it's like now let's let's monetize our experience in a way that allows us to have a little bit more security a little bit more you know yeah it's as much as that as as just finding something to do other than playing music yes kind of what we started talking about all the alcohol and all the partying it i'm, a, I'm gonna get married next year uh, i would like to be around for quite a while I have no intention of checking out in about ten years, so <laughs> I'm trying to trying to work on the bod, trying to not drink so much, and and also trying to find a business that I can do nine to five Monday mm-hmm. to Friday, rather than having a wife that's going to be working Monday to Friday nine to five and my hours being the polar opposite, because we'll be we'd just be ships passing. Yes, so yes, of course. The, it's, it's as much as. Half inspiration and half kind of, how do I put it? Half needing to, half wanting to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But it's your expertise. You know, without those expertise, you just, there wouldn't be a business. I've got a decent little skill set. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, So happy to find. So what do you need? What's what's, uh, the biggest challenge now with the new company? Getting getting work is just getting out and meeting people. So as soon as I get to London, I'm going to be everywhere. I'm just going to be wearing a big hoedown t-shirt and dishing out hoedown cards like nobody's business. Brilliant. And I think I'd like to just start with working with people like you do, say, pro bono work. It would be nice, while we while we haven't got our door being knocked down by people wanting us, it would be nice to go and find people that are doing events for things we would believe in or events we would go to ourselves mm-hmm. and offering them help. So um, 
some charity work. There's a, there's a couple of people we're speaking to uh, that are put on charity events. We're happy to do things for cost for now, just to get some get some pictures for the Instagram and, yeah, and just meet course. some more people. Because if, if it's anything like uh, guitar work, you get work by doing work. Yeah, yeah, of course. And this is the thing, now that you're going to be in London, there is no shortage of work. There really is no, none. I, I, I was saying to you earlier, I, the first day I arrived at this warehouse, there was a stage set up in the car park and there was security guards who came from, they were the same security as Tomorrowland. Oh, so wow. So they were super official. Um, and I was chatting to security and I was like, what is this? I just moved in here today. I don't really know what's going on. And they're this like, is just Tuesday. This is what we do. Well, they, they were just like, I don't know what this is either, you know, but it's like this small warehouse community decided they wanted to put on this public event for the, for the, you know, for the public and the, you know, let, let the, the gates open and everyone kind of came in. Nice. Uh, and even the security guards, I was like, do you want a cup of tea? And they're like, yeah, okay. You live here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. I mean, obviously, there's experiences going on all the time. And it's actually interesting. A lot of these big brands are now looking for the events to, you know, to create a real life experience. So mm. I, I always remember I had a, a job interview at the BBC once um, and uh, the BBC were like, OK, Cameron, so if you were to become a producer here, what would you do? And I was like, well, you say to me that you got this whole digital remit, but you're the only people that really have the authority to kind of go into schools or to businesses and just start doing stuff mm. so you should start doing like live events and start doing a thing like sports day where you get like 25 schools to come to one school and do make a big media thing out of it and yeah. they're like yeah but you know we're going bb you know we're going like we're going digital now and i'm like oh, yeah, but you're the bbc you have you have this ability you know <laughs> um, but what i realize is that actually when people are looking left you gotta look right, okay. You know, and, and that's the thing is if you can if you can sell a band uh, a brand on a band and say actually you know what your audience like X Y and Z let's put on a, a show for them yeah you know that I think that's the new thing is there's a lot of experience Christmas is coming man Christmas is coming this is it this I'm, is it. I'll be in the UK for Christmas this year yeah I'm, I won't be in France incredible be back back with the family the family Christmas oh lovely yeah it's always hard choosing whose family to go to at Christmas do you ever find we we've kind of come up with a cunning plan because um, some of the family are away with other other members of the family who are married. It's they kind of do alternate years with his parents and then yes, her parents. Yes, yes, yeah. So we just make sure that we sync up with Janie's family yeah. when Janie's family are all together. We're there, and then when they're not all together, then. You have to say my family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my Christmas last year, Dan and them were actually in Dan's house Mm. in Preston, and now of course they're going to be in Alderney. Is that the first time that they were away for Christmas? Yeah, and so like now I'm like I have to go there for Alderney this year, otherwise we're not going to see him next year. And I don't know, I don't know what's going on, man. Like part of me with my new business, uh, you know, as I'm sure you're feeling, it's like. Just leave me alone. Just everyone leave me alone. I don't want to bloody go home for Christmas. I do. Of course I do. Because you know, you'd be lying in my warehouse like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, throughout all the, the new beginnings of life, you still got to go and do that family stuff. It's nice to keep the family ties going. If you it can. is. Yeah. It is. And maybe that's the thing, isn't it? Is that there's, you know, everyone's so busy wanting to do stuff in their life. But the family time you get, the time where you get to go be with your friends, you know, mm your extended friends in Alderney or whatever, you get this sense that that's what life's about. You know, yeah, if you can bottle that. that, you know, I'm, you'll be a billionaire. That's it. Well, it's real. You have to be in a real room with real people. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's just, I don't know. It, it seems not everybody has that kind of access to that kind of experience now, or they'd rather be, you know, 
living their online life. That's true. It's sad, isn't it? Is it sad? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm not sure if I want to call it sad in case anyone has that. You're talking to the guy who literally puts out content for the world to see because I, I want people to know who I am. Okay. So you, you're talking to the, 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 the person who essentially everyone talks about as being like, oh, you want to just be popular. It's like there's a weird sense of like, misunderstanding mm. with people that make content with people because there's watchers and then there's the people that make it right and there's a lot of hate going around there's a lot of hate going around yeah you get some hate on i get videos. hate i get hate yeah more than just hate <clears throat> i get like just ignored being ignored by people is fine you know you don't want to like my post fine you don't know if you're being ignored <laughs> yes you do okay you do know if you're being ignored right. because you know my mum phone me up earlier she says Cameron um, I've watched your video that you did a blah 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 I'm like well, yeah it's only got like 12 views and I'm like didn't even like it didn't even like you know she's like and it's like they watch they watch but they don't engage you okay. know so for someone like me who actually want you know because the reality is is that like I've only got Alderney friends really like all you know when I look at my analytics it's like 25% of them come from Guernsey <laughs> yeah. I'm like well I'm de I definitely don't know anyone in Guernsey so like it's all coming kind of from Alderney you know mm. but I make this kind of stuff because I want them to engage with it okay and when they're not engaging with it you're just like okay you know? Long hour. yeah you're a bit like what have I done wrong you know am I doing this am I doing that and so I understand that and I think the worst thing is because what I do is video based so mm. I like I love this stuff I, I make movies and, and stuff like that so it's great but those people who are kind of just doing things like taking photos of themselves like influencers like I've, I've worked with a lot of influencers who are just who are just like just it's weird it's yeah. like they are more concerned about the likes and the engagement than making it yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, I take a making very, it's fun, man. I take a very dim view on the whole thing. When are we going to start your podcast? Because obviously, as an event company, you should have a podcast. I, well, an event company podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Here's the thing: is like so this this conversation we're having now is getting put onto iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, that kind of stuff. And if anyone is listening, that. Thank you very much. But more <laughs> importantly, the videos that we get to create here act as these little lead magnets. So if as a company you decide that, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to come into Cam's bedroom yeah. for <laughs> you know, one day a month and we're going to make, I don't know, 10, you know, 20 minute podcasts about everything about events, you know, and uh, maybe even industry specific. Yeah. So that what you can then do is you can take a little one minute video of what you spoke about and put that into Facebook ads model. That just targets the bars and restaurants. That just targets uh, the charities. That just I like start, you this, know? this, however long we're going to speak for, there's going to be these little micro contents coming out. Yes. These little sound Because yes. it doesn't, not many people want to sit down and listen to it. I'm going to watch a two-hour video of... No, I don't want them to, mate. You know, not unless you're driving right now or doing some washing up. I don't want you to listen to this thing and, and, and waste your time. I want you to go out there and, and find the thing that you love. And it's not mm. going to be listening to me. You know, <laughs> it really isn't. But it, it's the video that allows us to create these small bits of value. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a conversation uh, about being dyslexic. Um, which uh, actually uh, I was told I have Ireland syndrome, which is a visual stress disorder. Okay. Um, and so on this podcast, we're chatting about it. I post this little two minute clip onto about 10 different dyslexic groups in Facebook. Mm. And one of them just went viral. 
right? Oh, and I nice. had 5,000 views in an hour. I had about 50 comments and everyone's saying, Arlen Syndrome's fake, right? And they're saying oh. that Arlen is the name of the brand, not the name of the syndrome right. or the disorder. So it was amazing, this eye-opening, how just, you know, this one little bit of content that we made in a two-hour podcast mm. is the thing that people care about. Mm. So that's certainly, well, I mean, I, I've just started Cam Talks as a company, right? So my company, I offer companies like yours podcast ability yeah. and the ability to distribute. So I get to now really get... I get really creative when it's like, well, I don't care much about like the, the content of what you talk about. You could talk about whatever. I care about the distribution. Yeah. So okay. I care about the fact that do you want a video to put on your email signature so that every single person that, that you talk to gets to see that clip where you spoke about events? Do you have uh, a list of charities that you want to reach out to who could hear you talk about this? Do you have a bunch of alcoholics and Alderney who want to talk here you talk about Alderney yes you do yes we do you know, give them something to talk about because otherwise they're going to make up their own shit mm. and you know that's not what you want you want to control your own narrative nice I'm pitching to you right now I man. Know. but listen I like I said pro bono work I'm all whiskey. for it yeah yeah let, let's do this here we go yeah I mean now you so. see those people who see on camera you can actually see that I do uh treat my guests you're looking so, after me well well teas coffees unfortunately we have no real milk now Give it, give it a eat, so our listeners can listen. This is our ASMR <laughs> sec section. I think you're supposed to whisper on ASMR too. Well, this is the part of the show where, if it's late at night, <laughs> lock all of your doors. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's beautiful how there's these weird, quirky little like, you know, subcultures popping up these days. ASMR. Who, who the hell knew that ASMR was going to be a big thing? Who were the first two people? Who probably two good friends. One really trusted the other one. Just went, you know what? I really like. I really like listening to someone eat crisps. And they thought, well, I like that too. That's it. A really nice little thing that happened recently. You'll think I'm a bit mad. I used to. If I get a bit daydreamy. I'm drifting off in my own world. Every now and again, I get thinking about my mum. And, and I would see the panic on her face as she was being eaten by lions. And I would be really <coughs> terrified that my mum was going to get eaten alive by lions. And I, to the point where I have to, I'd have to go and make a cup of tea or I'd have to go and do something just to take my mind off. Wow. It was so serious. That's terrifying. It was horrible. Horrible. And it, uh, two, three weeks ago, I told dad, I said, you know what? I said, I know it's weird, but uh, I keep having these thoughts that mum is being terrified and I have to really think. And he just smiled and he went, I have exactly the same no. with my granddad and crocodiles. Interesting. Mm. And as soon as you said that, if I think about that with mum, it's gone straight away. Wow. I don't hold on to it at all. Well, what is it about animals in dreams? Because I, I used to have the lion dream. Okay. Um, daydream or a, a sleep dream? Oh shit. No, sleep dream, man. Oh, no, you're no, you're no. thinking about this in the day? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's not a dream. I'll what the hell are you thinking about? That's what I mean. I'll, have to, I'll like... have to take myself off and just force myself to think about something else. Otherwise, I'll get a bit upset that my mum's going to get eaten by lions. Oh, that's so sad, man. But I the, mean... my dad is exactly the same. Yeah. But crocodiles. Interesting. Mm. Well, there's something about animals in dreams. I, I know this because I, I, I used to read up about my old dreams. And mm. my dad was the one that said, told me not to look into dreams too much. So I kind of just like you know stopped. Um, more recently, though, I have to admit, I... I had a couple of dreams where I killed people. 
And I don't know whether that's incriminating me right now in like a future murder case, but like genuinely, like it, it don't was... be too specific. Well, no, I don't even know who it was. You know, I think it was. I think it was just like, you know, to the point. Ah, that was it. Everyone was chasing me. Everyone. It was like Black Mirror. It was like every single person was like just chasing me, and it was like I couldn't do anything else but that. You know, I kind of woke up. I woke up in the middle of night, and my girlfriend Nina was like, "Cam, you're right. You're right." I'm like. Yeah, fine. You yeah. Get back to sleep. You're like, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to close my eyes. Like, <laughs> I dream with. I sleep with my eyes open. Wow. And it's horrible. Poor Janie, man. Poor Janie. Jesus. Well, that's not so bad. She, she, she. Put gets, some glasses on or something. Put some sunnies she, on. I think it was a little sleep mask. That'd be fine. Oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been told I sleep. I, people have seen me doing it. They'll be lying on a sofa just, and then they'll realise that I'm actually just like dead eyes, just looking right through them. But that means that. Whatever's in the room feeds into my dream. So I'll, I'll augment reality. So I'll be looking at a wall and I'll just see dogs start to scratch through the wall and run around my room and all sorts wow. of horrible things. Maybe you need to learn as you sleep. Maybe you need to put a TV on your roof and like That'd just go good. through like, I don't know, Oxbridge like lecture series on like <laughs> something really clever and just see good. if the next day you wake up like, I've got it. Well, I sleep talk a lot as well. Interesting. There's a really good app that I've uh, I've only seen in passing, but it records anything. Oh, I know. Oh, you're recording it? Yeah. Wow. I've got some crackers. Really? What mm. do you say? Like A lot of the time I mumble, and then suddenly there'll be a little mumble, 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 and then a really clear sentence will come out. Oh, so, sit down. And then <laughs> I don't think I have sung in my sleep, but I, I tend to sleep talk in fairly strong accents as well, which is quite strange. Wow. Mm. But there's one, so I was lying in bed. This, you, you, you get excited to wake up in the morning and listen to it because it shows you like a... It shows you... Like the sleep pattern. Many, yeah, it shows you how many times you've spoken. Mm. So you, you... Okay, go on, listen. I mean, it was a busy night last night. And, uh, <laughs> busy night. <laughs> and uh, so I'd be mumbling. I'd be going... <laughs> minky, minky, pinky. <laughs> I'll send. I'll send you the clip. Oh, I love it. It's, yeah, we we so got to hear clear. this. It's wow, so sounds like the fast show. Rinky yeah. binky bang bang. <laughs> I love I've, it. I've also said um, again, a couple of mumbles, and then pardon me, my dear. Wow, spooky. Mm. Wow, poor Janie, man. Does she do anything weird in her sleep? Uh, I don't know. I'm normally asleep a lot quicker. Yeah, well. uh, I tend to be head meets pillow gone. That's it. That's it. You're you're a good boy. You just get to sleep, that's get it, sleep. Yeah. wake up. Do you have sleep habits? Do you kind of wake up a certain time or are you... No, not really. Are you just a lazy fool, just not waking up at six in the morning? I tend, I tend not to set alarms. Good, good. Um, I let, uh, I let, my let head, nature do I let thing. my head do what it wants to do. Do you know what, recently I've, I've started working only at 10am. Like, so I, I won't okay. let myself work until 10am. That's no phone, nothing. And it's lovely. It's so nice. Nice. It's so nice. What time man. do you wake up naturally? Um, seven, eight o'clock. Yeah. Um, but because I'm not working till ten, it's like I'm either gonna get up, go for a walk, do a little bit of basketball or something, or I just stay in bed until ten and I start working. It's lovely. It's really nice to start at that time because you know I'm always working till late anyway. You yeah. Know, the, the hard stop is two two a.m. So it's like if 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 I'm working at night, fine. But there's a hard stop at two. And that's like always. Um, but I wake up whenever. I can't right? stay awake that long. No? No. 
No, but I'm you will be soon, mate. Half 11, 12. Sooner or later. I mean, when look, I get to London. Well, no, here's the thing, actually, because with your new company, I guess you're just going to, it's going to be long hours in terms of like, right, we need you there, get this up, get this down, I get think, out of here. I think the, the first the first few months, certainly the first year, is just going to be, like I said earlier, meeting people and, and just getting the word out as much as I can and just spending all the time I can emailing and keeping contact with people. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, when the actual work comes in, then... That's just going to be added on to the top of that. That's it. But you outsource, man. You'll 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 get people working for you. Certainly, you could attend uh, or talk to the event uh, management courses at universities. Because I did uh, a, I did some work experience at Creamfields when I was studying event management. Nice. Um, didn't turn up to any of my shifts. Okay. You know, I ended up finding two lovely ladies to go and have a fun time with. You know, but two, two. I was a lucky boy. Yeah, I was really lucky. They they said to me, they're like, um, "Are you working here?" I was like. Well, it's my work experience, so I don't really know if that counts. Um, and so I was like, well, let's go then. And I just took off my bib and put it on the Gen- gate. Gently folded well, it. Well, I thought if, if, the, if, the, if the high vis was on the gate, at least people know where to walk. They don't need me there. So that's what you do. You were stewarding. I was stewarding, yeah. But I ended up just going partying and, uh, yeah, ended up having a great time. So, yeah. But more importantly, there <laughs> are university students out there that take this stuff really seriously and now have gone on to, <laughs> you know, start event companies. So, yeah. like, certainly looking for help in the uh, universities I would definitely look at because nice. they're that. hungry, man. You know, we're all hungry, you know, but mm. some people are hungrier. And uh, especially if you're a student in London, you're kind of, you know, already on that. You want to get out there and you want to... I'm amazed how busy... Uh, people can be when, especially when they're at uni. Oh, just absolutely busting the gut to get all out sorts of, of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but these days, university is—it's a bit like a, in America. Like in America, they give you compulsory other subjects to choose. Whereas, Extra credit. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> in the end, you you fall upon doing something that you didn't know you were going to do, but you loved it. Mm. In the UK, we get trapped in this like idea. Oh, my event management course is about events. Um, and so when you go to uni, it's up to you to go and look for other shit to do. Mm. So societies or like work experience, or whatever. So I think there's this there's this people know now. Most of my friends have not done what they've done when they went to university, but they go there knowing that they'll try stuff and they and they're busy. They're I didn't, absolutely I didn't, busy. I didn't finish uni. Good, good man. But didn't everyone my, loves the dropout. My 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 three year B Ed primary education degree. I did one year and I thought I can't do this. Love that. It's the paperwork. I can't. Um, I'd be the best TA in the world, but I I can't I can't handle the full teaching side. It's more of a management yeah. role. Well, look, man. I mean, like, everyone loves a story of that, by the way. So, like, you know, your your personal brand when you're when you're standing there, you know, talking to people about, you know, tell us about your event company. You say, well, you know, I was never really into education much. You know. Yeah. Got kicked out. You could just, don't let the truth stand in the way of good story. <laughs> you know, just kind of, you know, t- tell it in the way you do. But mm. it's interesting because a lot of these really successful entrepreneurs, people who have started these huge, huge, you know, unicorns, mm. have like failed university, dropped out of university. Yeah. So you're a bit like, you don't need anyone to give you a piece of paper to tell you what you're good and bad at. You know that more than anyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately just the established way of doing things, you know? I think so. The establishment. But aren't we lucky, hey, that we get to, you know, be a little bit more aware these days? I think certainly for some for some people, uni has to be the way to go. If you know, I mean, obviously... If, if you're you, going to be like a heart surgeon, like, Jesus, don't drop out of uni. It's best <laughs> that you do a heart surgeon degree, yeah. I think. I would not like Ten someone, years at least. I wouldn't like someone to turn around and go, you know what, I'm just going to do it, and then whip out a knife and, 
and start heart <laughs> yeah, surgery. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uni is not for everybody, and it there it shouldn't be a door closing. I I wish I if I had my time again, I would have gone to university a bit earlier, and I would have done a, a general subject because I think the university getting a degree is good for you. It's good for your head. It's good to meet people. It's good to show yourself that you can work hard at something and accomplish it. Um, but if that's not if you don't fancy it, then as long as you work hard, I think you'll get away with it. Yeah, and here's the thing, man. So like you as a, I, I wouldn't even want to just call you a musician. Like you're not even. What a musician. would you call me? An audio master. Three, three words. Three words. Um, I would say you are a. Mm, uh, I wouldn't hold you to exactly three. You can, yeah, you no, can I mean use a bit licensed. An audio master, a master of my ears. <laughs> <laughs> master uh, of ears a master of ears no i don't know like so so you are a sensory master in the sense that you okay that you manipulate people's ears look dude i mean there's like there's not a lot of exact science behind music like no. people don't really understand why music makes us laugh cry get angry do a jump i can't i was thinking of that why do we dance why does anybody dance what is it about safety rhythm yeah survival yeah it's it's you know that that feeling of going to war you know okay if you're the one guy beating his shield off someone else from your own army is going to stab you it's like mate get with it you know we're, we're trying <laughs> to we're trying to chant you know you know but okay. but dancing is interesting right because like you see people dance all the time and mm. i mean do you ever just think like what are you doing who was the first who was the first dancer what happened what who was the first person to hear that's a bit loud, sorry about that. No, that's alright. And, uh, and, <laughs> and just think, I can move my body to that. Well, there's a great series on Netflix called Explained. Yeah, I've been watching a few of those. Jesus. Well, then you know about this one then. So, like, generally monkeys don't understand rhythm. Mm. Like, like, you know, chimpanzees don't understand rhythm. We're the only creatures apart from some other creatures, parrots. And we found some other you know creatures that actually can predict. Yeah. You know, we know when a rhythm is coming. So, like, we have something about us that that it, we need it. We yeah. absolutely need it. I, I totally agree. But this is the thing is that even language is is very new. You know, like, uh, mm. even before language, we could hear things, you know. And so, like, I think this is the point, really, is that, I mean, there's been some amazing studies done now about, like, sound therapy. You know, mm. how you can you can be depressed and you can kind of use not just music that we love but you know frequencies to actually help improve the your emotions you wow. know? um my girlfriend's dad is an inventor um yeah. he has a company in switzerland that is called audio vitality and they do vibration therapy so essentially you lie on a table you're surrounded with these speakers hmm. that project through you uh, a type of frequency um, that affects a certain part of your body. That's amazing. Uh, and it's, it's groundbreaking stuff, mate. And, and interestingly enough, when you sit there, the, they have to optimize it to you. So they ask you to listen to six different tones of, yeah. of humming. Mm-hmm. It's quite good, actually. That was nice. And um, they say to you, which one do you like the most? Right? And you'll never guess which one I like the most. Which one? The one that reminded me the most of... The old Trilanders that used to go to Oldney. Oh, I love those planes. Joey. Oh, Joey the Trilander. Just, just, and that vibration, actually, I did two treatments of sound therapy, which just, well, I cried. 
Really? Yeah, crying. Is that powerful? Yeah, it was really, really powerful, man. Um, and it was for me. Um, her dad asked me, "Well, what's what's the one thing that you'd like to change about yourself?" And I said, "Well." It's the first time I've ever met him as well, by the way. I was a bit like, this is crazy. Meet the parents. Yeah, exactly. Stand um, on my vibration table. Well, I told him that I don't like salad. So he was like, right, we can treat you for that. I'm like, oh, shit. I need <laughs> to go and see that man. Yeah, uh, dude, this is big stuff, man. Like, You will absolutely know more about this. I hate leaves. Honestly, man. Leaves? Yeah. Like, a leaf. No, salad leaves. Oh, salad leaves. Dude, I mean, they they <laughs> got me to like salad in the end. I'm fine with leaves. Just not like Stay tuned. Things. I'm the first person in the world to film this. Okay. I made a vlog about it. Really? Yeah, the vlog's coming. The vlog's coming. I thought you were going to say this. the vlog was called Stay Tuned. No, 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 no. I mean, genuinely, I've, I've not had the time to jump back into vlogging yet, but that's the next thing I want to do is just make these vlogs about things. And uh, yeah, I was very lucky to be invited to my girlfriend's dad's laboratory. So was, he, was he asking you questions? Well, so there's a therapist that sits with you yeah. and, and asks you to visualize what salad is, what the color of it is, what the shape of that is. You know, and, and, and she says, where in the body is it? Oh, it's in, it's in your mouth, okay. Now I want you to, to swallow that. And I'm like, oh, shit. Now, <laughs> now it turns into this, like, this orb that, like, just gives you energy and, and good good feelings. Wow. So I'm like, wow. And then she says to you, okay, so Cameron, why don't you like salad? And I just go, <laughs> my sister forced me to eat it. And she's like, oh, tell me more about that. I'm like, we're really young and we're Georgian. And she made me eat salad. I'm like eyes closed, like just really delirious. Really? And then by the end of it, she says, so Cameron, do you like salad? And I just burst into tears. Yeah, I love salad. <laughs> Have you told Em this? Uh, no, she doesn't know yet. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know how much of an impact she had on me as a young person. She made you eat salad. She made me eat salad and I said no. So since then, I've been saying no to all healthy stuff. Which um, brings us on to our next subject, healthy hmm. stuff. Because, uh, you know, you've just recently run a, a marathon. Half marathon, yeah. Half marathon. Give yourself some credit, lad. It's a marathon. Oh, that was... It was rough. Yeah, how was it? What? Tell me about it. It was two hours, 40 minutes of rough treatment. Wow, nearly as long as this podcast. Oh, <laughs> and the worst thing was Mo Farah did it, and he won the Great North Run. And he did the whole thing in 58 minutes, I think it was. Does he even need to turn up, man? So That's he could have run... We could have started at the same time. He could have run to the end, just hung out for 40 minutes and run back to the start in the time it took me to get to Don't the end. Don't worry, dude. He's on corn, I'm man. not going to beat myself up. Tell me he why you did it. it. I did it because uh, lots of things. Like I said earlier, I intend on being around for a while. Um, you get to the point where you think, oh, I'm really not looking after myself very well. Time to start. And I'm probably best when I have a deadline or a target and a bit of pressure. So I just signed up. My, Janie did it the year before. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll, I'll sign up for that. <laughs> so again, just signed up for it. And then I thought, right, now I have to do it. Bam. And that's when, I, that's when I'm at my best, I think. I love it. I love so it. the first run I did, it was a little two-mile lap. Near my dad's house, it was a perfect little two-mile lap, door-to-door. And the first one I got about a mile and a half. And I was puffing and panting and couldn't, just had to walk the rest. And then... Yeah, it's amazing when you look back to see that, you, you know, after, after a few months, you could do a half marathon. Not a particularly quick one, but, you know, finished it. But, like, you know, they, they say, and you see it in these movies and stuff, like, there's, like, a wall, right? And, mm. and you, you hit that wall at a certain mile. Do you know what that mile was for you? Seven. Seven. Jesus. Yeah. And how many miles in total was it? Thirteen. Fuck. Like, that's the, before halfway. No, wait, that is halfway. The weird thing was, it wasn't, like... I didn't think, oh, my body can't do this. I just got horribly bored with running. 
That makes sense. Because yeah. I'd done, before the uh, half marathon, 13 miles, I'd done one run of nine miles. Um, along from Angel, along Regent's Canal, to Little Venice, mm. and then back again. Lovely run. Um, yeah, about nine miles. And again, at mile seven, I just thought, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I'm just sick of it. Wow. So I think I think a 10k would be the perfect distance for me. What were you listening to? Oh, you must be listening to something, or are you? No, no. no so running on my own, I'd have. That's a bit why of you're gone. bored, mate. Anyone's going to be bored. Oh, just... it's Janie. Oh, that's oh, that's nice. Sorry, yeah. Janie. And well, then we were we were next to each other. Was she a pacemaker? She she's a, a, lot, a lot quicker than I am. Yeah. She's a she's an athlete. Were you slowing her down? Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Massively dragging her down. Oh, but, were you uh, dragging your feet? <laughs> she is a beast. She's, and then what uh, did you do when you when you crossed the line? Did you sit down? Uh, I sat down in the medical tent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. My leg, my left knee just went. Nope. Nope. Not anymore. Oh. Um. So I then got a load of ice on it and compressed it for a while. So is that a, a bit of a kick up the ass? Knowing that, like you know, if you ever had to run, like you're not looking like you're in good shape, mate. No, I'm not at all. No. no. So the thing is, could have killed you, mate. It could have killed me. I, I had a little Fitbit on. Looked at my heart rate. <laughs> Says not, you're dying. Not good. <laughs> Mate. Ran out of numbers. <laughs> but listen, I mean, people have died in marathons. Like lots yeah, yeah. and lots of people have died. If I, I think even the reason, I don't know if you know the reason why they're called marathons, um, but it was actually during yeah, the... Yeah, died, didn't he? It was during the Roman Empire days. Uh, someone had to run back to tell the, the you know, the emperor that the, the enemy was, was coming, yeah. you know. And they should send off a, a little a little bunch of them because they knew not a lot, of, a lot of them would actually get back. And uh, you know, one that comes back says, "Emperor, the enemy's there." He's, oh, and he's dead. Yeah, you know? I'd imagine. I'd imagine the terrain was a little bit more severe than a, yeah. than yeah. a nice time at yeah, slight absolutely. hill. Well, look, here's the thing, man. You did it. You did it. You, did you it. know, everyone's got a number on them. You know, everyone's got like a little bit of spandex. You know, nice, nice did shoes. Did I have spandex on? What did I have? On? I bet you had good trainers, though, didn't you? I had lovely trainers. Oh, I bet you loved buying those trainers. I did love buying them. I bet trainers. you put them on and wore them around the house, didn't you? Uh, I think I went for a run as soon as I bought them. I just put them on and went for a run. But you didn't want to get them messy, so you were like, better go home now. <laughs> don't, want to, don't want to run that far. I wasn't. I, yeah, I wasn't. I think I knew they were they were a tool to be used. They were, yes. Because. Yeah. That's nice about run, running shoes, isn't it? You buy them, you're like, they're serious. I'm Here serious now. I'm a runner. <laughs> so running in non-running shoes, I'd imagine you'd run into problems fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. With knees especially and joints and things. So I went into one of those shops where they make you run on the machine and they, ah. they video you and they slow it down and go, see, you see what you're doing here with your, your foot? You need to, you know, you obviously, you run like this, so you need our most expensive shoe. <laughs> uh, so I thought, oh, yeah, I do. I need the most expensive one. I better, I better buy that. Um, so, yeah, that's what I bought. And I, they're the ones I bought a year ago. And they're the ones I did Perfect. the great ones running. Amazing. And so moving on then, you've, uh, you're going to be going to Kilimanjaro? Yeah, next challenge. Wow. What made you do this? It's Janie's the dad's 60th birthday. Oh, God. So I kind of said, oh, you know. And he wanted to climb a mountain for his 60th. They're all, that whole family is amazing, man. They, they oh. just, they go for it. Don't worry, mate. You're going to survive a long time with Janie on your side. Like ten, About 10, 10 people a year, I think, die. A bit. No, 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 but but that's that's because of other factors, you know, mm. not not because they, you know, like people die, people die, people they die do. all the time, you know, they but do. but if you don't try, <laughs> you know, you're gonna die anyway. And the only thing that gets you is altitude sickness. So if, as long as you keep an eye on that, and if you if you're suffering badly from it, then you can't do it. Yeah, but we we heard about uh, a chap that whether whether it's someone that we know or someone telling a story, they, they climbed it 17 times and couldn't do the 18th. 
So it kind of... As in died? No, no, no. Just got oh, altitude sickness. Um, acute I just went back down. Yeah, and, and the guides all keep an eye on you. They're constantly... But it, it must change all the time. Like, it must have everything of like air pressure, like the weather. Like, there it... must be this, like, sense that your body is entering into an atmosphere that it's just not used to. It's just not enough oxygen. So the percentage of oxygen is obviously the same, but by volume, there's just less air. Cause it's Can you just hold your breath? Like, that's probably the worst thing to do. <laughs> I bet going down is well nice. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard, oh, yeah. yeah. Come here. Uh, there's, apparently, there's worse on your knees and things. Um, yeah. Walking, because you, yeah. you spend seven days walking up. Seven days, really slowly. Jesus, really mate. slowly walking up. And then you they wake you up at, on the last day, they wake you up at like midnight. And then you walk through the night to get there for sunrise. And then you spend about 10 minutes at the peak. I love it. And then pff, straight down. Wow. Now, look, before you go to Kilimanjaro, um, there's a show that I, I watch on YouTube. It's right. called I Should Have Died. <laughs> Don't tell me you've ever heard, Never of, heard this. of it. Don't look at it. No, okay. wait. Do look at it. Right. I Should Have Died is an amazing show that used to be on ITV. And they've now put all the episodes onto mm. YouTube. And it's like the survival things, right? Where, like, it's I Should Have Died. They didn't die. Is it like 999? It's better. It's like reconstructions, really good reconstructions. So they'll be like, oh, we were climbing a mountain. I was with an inexperienced climber who got themselves up to half a peak and they, we decided that we couldn't go on, stuck on the peak for 12 days, Ooh. had to do all these crazy shits to survive. I feel kind of confident now that whether I'm stuck out at sea or stuck on a mountain, I kind of know what i got to do to survive now. It's, so, all in, it's all in your head. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes it's it's good to just kind of learn a bit of survival skills before you go and a attack. Ray, a bit of Raymere's bushcraft. Yeah, and obviously tell someone, right? You know, you always got to tell someone That's where you go, and, you know, even if you just kind of, like, you know, leave a little Instagram story or a little whatever. Back 100 years ago when people wanted to do this stuff, they just went oh, up and did it. Just did it. And you'd never know if they, you know... It, never came back. He didn't come back after a month. A bit like my cat. Just... Oh, no, just really? Just walked off one day and never came back. It probably yeah. knew if time was up. Cats <laughs> do that. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. It's like Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings. Just, I'm going and to bye. the, I'm going to heaven somehow. Across the sea. Yeah, which no one knows what that's about. But anyway, so um, look, good luck going to Kilimanjaro. Thank you very much. Um, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of cultural um, stuff happening. I'm sure it's you're going to have a great time. It's going to be a real good challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of me thinks it's just walking. Just keep walking. Keep going. Um, but I know it's going to be a lot harder than that. It but is. I've got a lovely pair, like my lovely running shoes. I've got some lovely walking boots. Fantastic. That's I don't get great. blisters, so um, I was planning to take a little guitar up with me, which I forgot to pack. So now I'm not taking guitar. Well, with make me. sure you bring your talcum powder because you know, yeah, yeah, talcum powder. Sometimes when your chest area yeah. gets a little bit sweaty and you've got a bergen on or a backpack, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna really start give it chafing. Uh, and you don't know that your wow. your nipples actually have much senses until they begin. Until you do a half marathon. I mean, now imagine doing that with a backpack on. <laughs> like that's the risk you've Ooh, got, you know. Yeah. But you have to pack everything in your in your bag. Make mm. sure you bring some sweets as well. Yeah, you, we've already put. Yeah, already you got to bring your sweets and stuff like. That. I mean, well, I'm not telling you how to fucking do a do a mountain. I've only done like you know a few mountains. I did like Snowden. Did you? Yeah. Nice. I did. Like, you kind of walk up that thing like in like a day. I would like to do. I did. I did Scarfell Pike. Okay. Uh, Where's that? Lake District. Oh, lovely. I like Lake District. Um, that's the highest point in England. Wow. And then Snowden's Wales and Ben Nevis is obviously Scotland. 
Big Ben. I'd like to do the big three. You, should, you, you need to do Ben. Obviously, you can get to the top ben. of that. You'd be like, <laughs> you can do all three in a day. That's wow. the, in, in 24 hours. Interesting. All the three highest peaks in there. Nice. The Going down's got to be the funnest bit, right? You're just like, woo, it's I'd time to so. go. I'd say so. That's it. I've been warned with Kilimanjaro that you, you, bur- you give everything you've got to get to the peak and then you think you're done. And then you, you need to save a bit, keep a bit in reserve for the descent as well. That makes a lot of sense. Because it's not, it's not a walk in the park, the descent. So I'll be making sure that I keep a lot of my little energy sweets ready for yes. the Yes, and don't down. be afraid to, you know, tell them to slow down. You know, I think that's it's the one thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, you've, got, you've got to go at the, the pace of your slowest person. I think I'm going to get to the peak and then suddenly go, oh, no, I can't go on any further. Get the helicopter. I'm just going to stay here. That would be quite nice, way. wouldn't it? It's like, you do that whole sleeping thing with your eyes open. It's like, oh, he's sleeping. You're like, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. stay still. and Start they'll snoring call. with yeah, my eyes open. They'll call an ambulance. I think they should put a slide, a dirty great big slide at the top. That's such a good idea. I love that idea. Yeah, just like a zip fun. line. Yeah, yeah something like that. That'd be good. Well, I've, I've skydived from the skydive I did was eighteen thousand feet. Wow. And Kilimanjaro's nineteen and a half. There so you, go. you know, if it was a steep drop, you could just jump off the side. I've always thought, you know, when people die on mountains, I'm like, am mm. I stupid? But can you not just get a helicopter and fly them there? They're like, oh yeah, but you can't land or like the weather's terrible. I'm like, but the option is they're going to die, or you can try. I, yeah, I think if it's. It's like that thing where if someone's drowning, you, you wouldn't endanger yourself to yeah. save someone drowning because then you've got two people dead. Yeah. I guess. I guess at that's least, what they're At least if, if, you, you know, if you've fallen on the mountain and, and it's bad weather, you can just say, John, guys, just leave me. Yeah. I don't want any I'm of you. I'm fine up here now. Yeah. That's it. Just give me my little, uh, damn it, I didn't bring the guitar. If it's that's hypothermia, it. you'll end up naked. Yeah, well, no, right. that's probably a good thing, right? That's the last thing, isn't it? The, yeah. the last stage of hypothermia is you suddenly feel really, really hot and you take off all your clothes. Bam. Well, hopefully you don't get to that level. Fingers but crossed. I'd love to get you back on the show at some point. Oh, I'll definitely come know, back. Particularly when you, uh, you know, in London, when you've done Kilimanjaro, hopefully this... This will be a very successful climb. Give me a couple um, of months to get hold and I'll come and tell you what, how it's going. Amazing, mate. Amazing. Okay, well, look, just to finish the uh, the episode, tell me a little bit more about what it is you stand for. Give us some truth bombs about Ooh. yourself, Mr. Ben Westaway. Okay. My audience are highly educated, <laughs> by the way, so they, 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 they need a really good answer. Yeah, I know. This is what I'm worried about. Um, yeah, you've kind of jumped with this. Ben, what do I stand for? You have arrived at the gates, and I need to know I think what if I had, you stand for. If I had a philosophy, it would be to try and leave the world a better place than when you found it. I like it. And that's not necessarily just you know cleaning up after yourself or you know ending up carbon negative once you've you know, at the end of it all. I don't know. It's just... If you look after, yeah, I guess I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson and I really like his attitude of kind of clean yourself up and if you've got a bit left over, you can you can help people close to you and then if you've got a bit left over after that, then you can help your community. And that, that seems like a lovely... Yeah, Jordan Peterson, what a lad. I, I like him. Yeah. I yeah. Know, a, lot, a lot of people don't, but I do like him. No, I, I love, you know, I it's not even the 12 rules of life. I mean, you've read the book, right? Yes. Um, the book wasn't even the thing. It's the videos that he's on, you yeah, know, and the inspiration behind the whole "fix yourself before you fix others." It's um, it's game changing, really, isn't it? I think I think he's got a good heart. Yeah, uh, I think he maybe if, if if there's a criticism, he maybe can come across as a little bit cold, 
uh, and not but he's an academic connect. you know and the thing is i used to hate my teachers at school so like you know this is one teacher at least i like you know <laughs> but i feel like it's because you know i'm at the age now where i'm looking for that mm. uh, that sort of role model um and it's something nice about n- not being a victim you know as, as like you're not you, you know you're responsible for this yeah i yes i would be a little i'd walk take maybe a little softer line than he would on that one because I it's very easy I've had a very easy time of things and I can't really put myself in the shoes of somebody that doesn't have maybe hasn't had the best start but I I definitely think if you can if you can sort if you're all sorted with yourself then you'll be in a position to help others and I think that's a great way of looking at it it is I, I wouldn't necessarily blame anybody for not getting themselves together mm. um, I don't think it's easy for anybody to get themselves together mate getting yourself together is the number one thing that everyone's got to do individually right you know but that's why I think Jordan Peterson's view of it is you know look look at yourself first mm. you know before you start telling everyone how to fix their lives go fix your own life yeah yeah, um, yeah. but so maybe if anything it's just a nice little guidepost it's a bit like we know that you care about all this external stuff, but yeah. what about internal do you want to fix? And then you start saying, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. You're like, okay, do that first. Yeah. You know, and then it become, life becomes easier, right? Yeah, definitely. I love it. Namaste. 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 Motherfucking stay, <laughs> mate. I love it. Well, look, dude, thank you so much for coming on Pleasure. to the Cam Talk Pleasure. show. Um, we could talk here for hours and hours and days and days, but I think it's it's been a great talk. I, I think that, you know, one of my one of my highlights of, of our talk, which is what I say, is finding out about your new company. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't I didn't think I mentioned it to you in, in all the no, weeks. So uh, no, no. So tell us more. How can we find out about your, your new event company? Hodan.co.uk. Is Excuse me, who, who do what? Hoedown.co.uk. Hoedown? Hoedown? H- You're doing a hoedown. H-O-E-D-O-W-N. I love it. So for any, uh, just London or UK-based? UK-based. UK-based events company, hoedown.co.uk. Mr. Ben, motherfucking Westaway. Thank you so much, my brother. Pleasure, pleasure. High five, low five.